Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. So a little bit about myself. Um, Drew and I met a few years back, seven years ago. I came up to Sacramento to plant, and there was this assessment team, and Drew was one of the assessors, basically, to see if I was legit, see if they were going to, if the EFCA was going to get behind me in planting. And shortly after that meeting, he's like, hey, let's go out. And so we went out, got a burger, and he's like, I want to coach you. And so since that day, seven years ago, Drew's been my coach. And you guys have been like an extended family to us in Oak Park. We planted seven years ago a multi-ethnic, multi-class church. Um, basically, Oak Park's kind of in the shadows of the UC Davis Med Center where all the freeways come together. And um, initially, we were floating around to a bunch of churches when we planted. And then we were out of high school, and then the pandemic hit. And so we were homeless. Like, we didn't have to fight about, like, do we gather, do we not? Like, we didn't have an option. We didn't have a location. And so we were online, and then after that, we were in my backyard. Like, we had lines down the hallway to the bathroom. We had kids' ministry in the side yard, youth in the front. Backyard was the church. I mean, it was a mess. And then through, kind of during the pandemic, we were thinking, you know, we've, we've lost kind of like our touch with the neighborhood. Like, we feel like we're not loving like Jesus. Like, we have three values like you guys do as well. You have R1, R2, R3. We have be with God, live as family, and then love like Jesus. Like, being, as you say, the living proof of a loving God. And so, we weren't doing that. I mean, we were all huddled up, hiding out in our house, and so we found out that the kids in the neighborhood, obviously they weren't going to school during the first part of the pandemic, but 30% of the kids weren't even logging in. In fact, they didn't log in even once. And so these kids were falling behind. And so we decided to kind of, that was cute. We decided to basically get all the kids together, go undercover a bit and bring them to a building and tutor them. And so we started doing that all 2020 and 2021. And these kids were like so far behind. Many of them we still work with and they're multiple grade levels behind. But we were a small church and so we realized we couldn't do it together. And so this other church plant and us, we were like, hey, what if we do this together, invest in these kids? And so soon on we realized in doing ministry together midweek that um, maybe we're better together than apart. And so a year ago, pretty much today, a year ago this week, we merged churches. And so now we're One Church Sacramento. We meet at the Guild Theater, and God is continuing to use us in the neighborhood to invest in those same kids. Elementary kids, we teach literacy to, and then the older kids, youth, we teach tech to. And so if you ever want to come down and see what we're doing, we um, are putting on a summer camp for these kids right now, and you can be a tutor, you can be a volunteer if you're interested. So that's a little bit about me. You guys have been in a series, I hear, right? Going through doctrine. You guys like doctrine? Going through the statement of faith, right? Am I right? Right, church? Yeah, and you went through Revelation before that? That's intense. You guys hung in there. That's, that's a, that's a hefty, when Drew told me that, I'm like, wow, man, your people are legit to get through Revelation. That's awesome. So this statement of faith tells us what we believe, or at least what we think we believe. And so what I wanted to put on the screen in this moment is this statement here. This is apparently what we believe about the Bible. Now, I'm gonna assume that you believe this, okay? But then I wanna push into it a bit. It says this. We believe that God has spoken in the scripture, both Old and New Testament, 
through the words of human authors. As the verbally inspired word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings, the complete revelation of his will for salvation, and the ultimate authority by which every human every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and entrusted in all that it promises. So do you guys believe that? Yeah, you do. So we're done. Like, we can leave. Like, if you believe that, like, you're legit. Like, that's, that's awesome. But like, as I look at this statement, like, there's some things that stand out to me that I'm like, I believe that, but what are the implications of that? Look at that statement. It says that the Bible is inspi- inspired word of God. The Bible is without error. So like this book, when I read it, at no point can I be like, you know what, I'm just going to cross that out. I don't think that's right. That's too tough. That's too hard. Oh, that's too challenging. So like everything in this book is without error. It says in Psalm 119 that thy word is truth, that all of his commands are truth. It says in Proverbs 30 that every word of God proves true. So when we're reading this book, we're just going to have to be like, this is truth. There's no error in it. I can't edit it, change it, adapt it. Like, it is without error. Now, how about that, this other statement? It says that it is the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be adjudged. It's the ultimate authority. So like if the Bible says it, I have to believe it and I have to like put myself under it. Like this is not just a book of suggestions. This, this book speaks authoritatively into my life. So if I'm doing something and I read it and I'm like, I need to adjust. I need to change because this book said it. Like do you believe this book is an authority? And then look at near the end. It says, therefore, it is to believe in all that it teaches and obeyed in all that it requires. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's one thing to just say and believe in our head this, but then in our heart and our hands to live this out. Like, I need to obey all that it requires. So this statement, although we could kind of like sign off on it and be like, yeah, that's cool. This statement has a lot of implications for our life. So let's think about just the Bible in general, its usefulness, its versatility. This, this Bible says of itself, the word of God says that it's, it's a sword. It's a double-edged sword, and it pierces to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of our hearts. Like, it has that ability to just get in there and sort through our intentions, sort through our motives. It's also this mirror that we can just look at each day, like just as I stood in front of the mirror this morning, washed my face, adjusted my hair, like each day I can like look at myself in the mirror and be like, man, I need to adjust this, change this. This book does that. This, this book is a plumb line which we line our lives up with. It's, it's a light, a lamp unto our feet. But also, it says that this book has power. It says that when God speaks that his word goes out from his mouth, it does not return void. So that's pretty incredible that these, just, these words on this page, they come at us with power. This book also speaks of value. David says of this book that it is more to be desired than gold. Just like think of those things on Amazon that you have in your cart. You're like, it's pretty amazing. 
It's like, or think of this September, the new phone that's gonna come out, this foldable iPhone. You're like, gotta have it, right? But just think, like, this book is more to be desired than anything that gold can buy. And then just, it, it says, it is sweeter than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. It's, it's better than the best meal. So do you feel that way about this book? Like, have you experienced the power of this book? Have you sensed that this book is more savory than the best of meals? It is better and more satisfying than anything that money can buy. The thing about this book, though, that I love more than anything else is that this book is God speaking to us. When we, when we open this book, I say this all the time at our church, when we open this book, God is opening his mouth. Do you, are you hearing from God? Like, when's the last time you heard from God? Like, I think a lot of us would love to say, like, I would just love to hear God's audible voice. Like, I want to hear him speak to me, and yet God has already spoken to us through his word. Have you experienced God literally speaking to you through his word. I mean, just, just think of some statements. Like, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, blessed is God, the Father of all mercies, who comforts us. Have you heard him say, like, if he's saying to me, Matt, I'm a father of mercy. I want to speak comfort over you. When you're reading scripture, do you hear him say kindly to you his words? Like, when we were, we were backstage talking, and one of the worship leaders, he was talking about how he reads the Psalms, and he reads a couple Psalms each day, and he said that just all the time, when he's reading just two Psalms, it's speaking so directly into his life. God wants to speak power to us, but he also just wants to speak personally to us. So what we're going to look at today is this, just two verses. I'll read them here on the screen. This is where we're going to camp today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. If you have your Bibles, you can pull them out. You'll probably be able to memorize it by the time we get done today. But it says this, that all of Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. So let me ask you this, before we dive in, what is your opinion of this book? Like, is this a book just of like good ideas that you consider each day? Like, is it maybe like a buffet of food where you just kind of pick and choose and grab at what you want? Is it like a, a book of suggestions, a book, a book of mere recommendations? Like, do you just, when you read it, you're like, you know what, that feels good. That makes sense to me. For me, like, my background with this book is like I was raised in the church. I knew the key Bible stories and verses. And for the most part, I knew the gist of Scripture. If somebody said, hey, what's the Bible about? I could kind of make my way through it. And as I looked at my life, I could kind of proof text my life. My life, it was generally Christian, but I didn't know this book and I didn't really study this book. And I found myself in college preaching at a college service. And afterwards, this dude came up to me after I got done preaching. You know, people are coming up. They're saying, oh, that was so cool. That, that really spoke to me. I love that story. That was funny, blah, blah, blah. This dude comes up and he says, 
you don't know me, we don't know each other, but I don't know if you know this, but when you preach, you don't know what you're talking about. I was like, wow, okay, that's embarrassing. Like, shh, let's not let anyone else know. Like, and so I took him out to lunch and I listened to him explain the word to me. And I had never heard anyone explain the word with such wisdom and insight before. And so I'm like, dude, will you disciple me? And we would be in the word together on Monday nights, three to four hours, just walking verse by verse by verse through this book. And it changed me. And it made me like love this book and see the value of this book. Before it's like, I knew a verse on suffering or I knew a verse on anxiety or I knew a verse on fear. But this book became just woven into me. I began to love it and then I began to live it. You see, scripture God wants to use scripture to do that in your life. So let's look at this passage verse by verse. It says, it starts off and it says that all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture, from beginning to end, every word, every phrase, every portion of scripture, all of it, this book is inspired by God. So you know, you just went through Revelation, so even the last book is inspired by God, and you've seen its usefulness. But even the first book, like back in Genesis, we see God as this creator, and we see mankind created in his image, and therefore we're to treat one another with value and dignity. Even if we're just like randomly opening the Bible and we just put our finger down, yes, that verse that seems rando and out of context, that verse is inspired by God. So it says, all of scripture as it says, is breathed out by God. Like, every bit of it, it's God's breath, it's his very word. So we should, like, sit there and read and be like, okay, God, like, I'm listening, speak to me. When we're, when we're spending our time with the Lord, we're just like, God, God, help me to hear from you. God, I don't want to get up until I hear you speak. Now, here's the thing. If all of Scripture is breathed out by God, that means all of scripture is authoritative. So every time he speaks, I should just be like, God, I'm listening and I'm, I'm submitting and I will do whatever you say. But we get it, like, there's some passages in here that are like hard to understand, right? There's some passages that seem challenging, some that seem impossible. Let's just be honest, there's some that I even disagree with. Let me just say that. Like, there was a pastor I was under for about 10 years and he would get up there and preach and he would say, you know, today we're opening the word to a passage that I don't agree with, but who am I to say such a thing? Like, I'm not God. Like, when we look at the scriptures, like, we might be like, <laughs> really? Like, that's a lot. That's a big ask that you are asking of me, God. But who am I? And so, Sometimes we just need to wrestle with this and be like, God, like, okay, like, I'm gonna listen to you. I mean, shouldn't we at least give serious consideration to this book? Like, if all of scripture is God-breathed, if he is the creator, the author of life, don't you think he has better ideas than us? Right? Don't you think, like, he loves us deeper than anyone ever will, so don't you think he also wants what's best for us? And like, since we trust God with our eternal destiny, 
Shouldn't we trust God on the daily with what he says? So all of scripture, this entire book, is breathed out by God. And so we need to like start here, just start with that being our baseline. That, 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 that's our presupposition. Because I've, I've interacted with people in ministry sometimes, I'm like, hey, um, it says this here, and I'm just kind of thinking and processing what you're going through. And, and I've watched people just not even be moved by this book. They're like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like there's this one person I'm walking with and their marriage is not going well and I'm like showing them biblically and they're just like, yeah, well, I got other priorities. And it's like, but the, 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 the book says this. Like I've even talked to some people and I'm like, yeah, it says this in the word and somebody was like, well, yeah, but is, is Paul always right? I'm like, yes, like it's in the book. Like what are, what are we disagreeing over? Like it's, it's not about an interpretation. It's just like, are we going to accept what's on these pages? So I think we need to at least start with that. Like, are we going to agree that Scripture is authoritative, that all of Scripture, not just the red words of Jesus, but like all of Scripture is breathed out by God, and therefore all of Scripture I should put myself under. So the passage goes on, and it says this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and training in righteousness. So all of Scripture is profitable, it's valuable, it's useful, it's beneficial for doing these things. Like this, the, the Word has this robust ministry over us. But oftentimes, we treat this book like spiritual candy, right? We read it, we're like, God, just give me something to chew on, just something good. Like, I just want that one verse just to like suck on all day, just to pick me up. Or we, we treat this book like, like coffee. Like, I just need a verse just to pick me up in the morning, that spiritual caffeine. But th- this book says that all scripture is profitable for teaching. Not what I'm doing. Teaching here, this word is not the the act of teaching, but the content of it, the the doctrine. So think about this. All of scripture is useful for like our foundation, our worldview, the, the underpinning of our life. This book tells us definitively like who God is, that he's this holy, righteous, high and lifted up God that is also compassionate, loving, and and has care for us. It tells us definitively who we are. It tells us definitively what life's all about. And if, if we don't have this book, it says that we're gonna be tossed to and fro, believing, carried about by every wind of doctrine. And you see this in the world. People begin to like think God is more like them. They recreate God in their own image. They say things like, you know what? I think God is like this, or I think God is like that. Would you say that this book is your gauge for life? When you're facing certain situations, you're like, okay, God, what do you have to say? What's your thoughts on the matter? Like, when you're reading the news or watching the news and you hear different angles and opinions, would you say that you look to God to consider his angle on an event? Okay, so let me just put this out there. And I already got permission from Drew. I text him in Scotland. I didn't realize there was a time difference, but I'm just like, dude, is it okay if I say this? 
And he said, go for it. Masks or no masks? Did you consider what God had to say about it? Vax or no vax? Did you, did you, did you look to God and be like, hey, like, God, what do you think? What should I do? Because like, I heard myself and others kind of being conducted like an orchestra from the news or directed by fear or quoting the Constitution more than the Word of God, and I'm like, what are we doing? Like, literally, what are we doing? What does God have to say about this stuff? Because it says in the Word, 1 Peter 1, it says that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So this book is sufficient to speak into even current matters that we're facing in our society. The same guy that rebuked me, told me I didn't know what I was talking about, soon on, when we were meeting on Monday nights, going through the word, he would ask me questions like, hey Matt, what, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And I would sit back in my chair and be like, you know, well, what I was taught or what I believe is, and he's like, why aren't you looking at the word when I ask you those questions? He's like, what, what, what does the book say about that question I just asked you? And I realized repeatedly him doing that to me that so much of what I believed was just had what I had heard secondhand through a pastor or a leader, but I didn't really know what this book said. I didn't know what God said about a matter. So this book is profitable. All of this book is profitable for giving us a good foundation of what we believe about God and life and ourselves. But it also says, and buckle up for this one, all scripture is profitable for teaching and for reproof. Like a lot of you, you're like, dude, I'll show up to a Bible study, I'll go through the book of Revelation three times, but don't you dare rebuke me. Don't you dare tell me that I'm like off kilter or out of whack. But this book, it's profitable not only for giving us good doctrine and theology, but it's also good to rebuke us, to put us in our place. When's the last time you were rebuked by this book? I'm co-pastoring now, so I'm not a solo pastor, I'm co-pastoring and it's this, this Younger guy, I love him to death. He's actually closer in age to my oldest son than to me. And so there's an age gap. He's 28, I'm 44. And we've had some really honest conversations with each other where we're rebuking each other, where we're calling each other out. And it's hard, but it's good. Would you say that you have that type of relationship with somebody that's willing to point out sin. Would you say that when you open this book, you're willing to allow God to just put his finger on that one thing in your heart and be like, hey, I wanna work on that. There's that thing that you've been thinking, that thing that you've been doing, that mindset that you have, like, I wanna, I wanna change that. Or you just read, you're like, just God, just speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. Nope, no, no, not that. I'm done. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna listen to you to a point, but like, I don't wanna hear from you fully. You know like when you're in a conversation with somebody and they're talking to you and then you see it kind of go in a different direction and you're like, oh, yep, gonna change the subject. It's getting too real, too honest, too vulnerable. Like, are you willing to say to the Spirit of God, search me, O God, and know my heart 
and see if there be any grievous way in me. Like, are you willing to allow the word to do that in you? So the word is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, but also correction. So rebuke is like when we're veering off the road and we're going off the wrong path. It's like, hey, bro, you're, you're veering off the road. You're about ready to hit the pole of the ditch. A correction is turning it back onto the right path. Like the word of God not only points out sin, but pulls us back on center. It's like this last weekend, my middle son, he plays soccer and he was in a soccer tournament and we were killing this team, so we thought. Like, we were taking so many shots on goal, the goalie was exhausted from how many shanked shots that we were taking. We would get right in front of the goal, and all of a sudden, we would hit on either side of the crossbar, or either side of the post, and then we'd get right in front of the goal, and then we would shoot these field goals. And the coach was going nuts, and he didn't yell a rebuke at them, instead he yelled a correction at them. He said, like, when you get in front of the, when you get there, like, get over the ball. He said, hey, don't focus on power, focus on placement. You see, the, the, the word not only wants to point out sin, but the word also wants to course correct us, to bring us back to that path that leads to life and life in its fullest. But not only that, the word, as it says finally, it's profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and then also training in righteousness. It has the ability to take this stuff, this theory, this theology in our heads and get it to our hands. You ever read something, you're like, God, yeah, but how? Like, how do I flesh this out? How do I live this out? This book helps us train our feet and get our hands prepared to serve. It puts skin in the game, teaches us how to walk it out, live it out, practice it. This book has that ability. You see, before I was being discipled by that guy, I would go to some random Bible studies, learn some cool facts, and then my life was just pretty much the same. It was generally a Christian-flavored life. But when somebody took the word seriously, like my buddy in college, and started teaching me doctrine and then rebuked me and then corrected me and then showed me how to live, my life began to change. I began to see myself like the people in the scriptures that were following after God in his footsteps. You see, this book has the ability to do that. This book has the ability to transform and change us like that. And what it makes us, as it says here, the last verse, it makes us a man and woman of God, complete, equipped for every good work. Think of it like this, like football. This book is our playbook, right? It's all of scripture is breathed out by God. He's like, hey, this is the playbook that you need. This is the one book that you need. You, you think of all the books you gotta read to be a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor. To be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, this is the book. Just like, know this book. And so the football coach is saying, hey, if you wanna be on the team, know this playbook. This playbook is gonna make you able to play on the field effectively. It's profitable for teaching you the rules of the game, the doctrine. It's able to teach you what not to do. It's able to, as it said here, rebuke. It's able to correct. It's able to kind of run you through the practice to know the plays on offense and defense and special teams. 
But also this book is able to like put us in the game. It's not only to know the theory of Christianity, the theology of Christianity, not only to kind of know how to go through the motions of Christianity, but it makes us complete, equipped for every good work. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced the word offering wisdom and insight to navigate life's decisions, wisdom to fight for what matters most? Like, have you experienced yourself being equipped to accomplish every task that God has for you? Like, just think about life direction, like this book tells you. Think, think about marriage and some of the, the issues that you're facing. This book provides a blueprint. Think about parenting. Think about being a kid. Think about being a teenager. Like, this book speaks life, speaks principles into our, to, 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 to direct us, to change our affections. Like, this book, all of scripture is useful to prepare us to be this man of God, complete, equipped for every good work. Do any of you guys watch the show Alone? Any of you guys like the show Alone? You guys know what the show Alone is? It's this crazy show. They put like 10 survivalists out in the middle of nowhere, like where none of us would ever vacation or even camp. They drop them off and they leave them there. And my wife and I love this show because we hate camping. Like we will never go camping. We, every, we go twice, a, we go once a year for like two days and that's like way too much. But we, we tell, my wife and I were watching and we're like, okay, like as soon as that boat leaves the shore, I would stand there for five minutes, just get a sense of what it's like to be alone and then I would tap out. I'd be like, I am officially tapping out. Like I can't handle it. But it says at the beginning of the episode and then sometimes throughout the episode, it says this statement on the screen. This program features trained survival experts. Do not attempt this at home. And as I, I'm sitting there, I'm eating popcorn, I'm like, don't need to warn me. Like, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. I wonder, though, if some of us were kind of sitting on the sidelines at the football practice and we're looking at the field and we're seeing people playing and people playing the game and we're like, yeah, nope, nope, nope. We hear stories like we just heard. We hear testimonies of people living for God. We hear each week here at Vintage us being sent out as missionaries and we're like, yeah, nope, nope, nope. Like, yeah, I'll watch from the sidelines. I'll sit here and listen and kind of like vicariously live and ride on the coattails of vintage. But like, I'm not gonna put skin in the game. I'm not gonna do that, that that's, that's too much. Those are for trained survival experts. Those are for real, faithful Christ followers. That is gonna cost too much. I'm gonna have to sacrifice way too much. I can't do that. Let me tell you this, like God, yes, he's calling us to sacrifice, but God is calling us into this life, this, this relationship where we will experience life and life in its fullest. And yeah, it looks scary, and sometimes it looks like, how in the world? Am I? I mean, some of you guys are facing things, you face things these last couple weeks, you're like, never, ever, ever did I think that I would have to face that. And yet, you saw your God, you saw our God show up. 
You saw him be a God of comfort, a God of compassion. And you wouldn't have wanted to face that any other way except with him. You see, our God wants to speak to us. And as I was thinking about this message today, I was thinking, why is it that we just don't read the word? Like, we know its value. We, we're willing to spend at least 45 minutes of our week listening to it preached. Like, why is it that we just don't read it? Why don't we care about it? Why does it have dust? Why does it, like, if we have other things to do, why do we do other things with our time rather than reading this book? And what God put on my heart was this. I think a lot of us are just worried about what he would say. When we open this book, what is the look on God's face that you see? When you open this book, do you think, like, man, Matt, I don't want to read it because, like, if literally when we open this book, God opens his mouth, he's going to be yelling at me. Like, I used to think of God like this soccer coach, and every day I was going out there and trying my best to play for him, and at the end of the game, he was just like, I guess that was your best. That wasn't very good, but I wish I could trade you, but I can't. Like, that's what I felt from him. And so therefore, I didn't want to play for him, and most certainly, I didn't want to hear from him. It's like, last week, I text my little girl. She's 11. I'm like, hey, do you want to go to Starbucks? She's like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, what do you mean, what are we going to, I'm, I'm going to get you a Frappuccino. Like, let's just, but she was fearful because our last conversation, I was like talking to her about some things that needed to change. Like, do you feel like when you read this word that your father is speaking love over you and compassion? You see, our father who wrote this word loved us so much that he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to deal with our sins, but he sent Jesus also just to convince us that we are loved. He came, Jesus came to embody his faithful kindness and mercy towards us. He, Jesus came to adopt us into a family. He came to show us the Father's acceptance. He came to basically put to, to hug us, to show us that we're valued, that we're loved. And so when we read this word, we should know that our Father not only loves us, but like he delights in us. Our Father, when he speaks to us, you're gonna hear great affection for you. Like he intends for you to enjoy him. He wants to give you joy, not leaving you feeling condemned, not making you feel like a failure. He wants to you to feel seen and valued. So God's tone when you read the scriptures, are you hearing affirmation? Are you hearing a life-giving God? That's, that's our God who wants to speak to us. So as I wrap up, let me just read a few scriptures that I hope will give you life and give you encouragement and draw you back to this book to hear from him. It says in Hosea that our God will allure us and speak tenderly to us. We prayed this verse this morning. It says that our God, even when he rebukes us, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Our God corrects us when we're strained, but he corrects us to put us back on the life path 
on the path that leads to life and life in its fullest. And this, this path that says in Psalm 16, he says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, not just joy, fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It says in Psalm 63 that your steadfast love is better than life itself. And then finally, this is the posture of our God when we open his word and we hear from him. He says he rejoices over us with gladness. He just has a smile on his face when he's speaking to us. It says he will quiet us by his love and he will sing over us with loud singing. Father, may we hear from you. May we want to hear from you. May we sense your affection for us. Father, so many of us are in so many different spots right now. Maybe we've experienced loss. Maybe we feel alone. Maybe some of us just feel so far gone that we are convinced that you have nothing good to say to us or about us. Father, may we be convinced that you are a God who cares. May we be convinced that you will speak tenderly over us and that you want to quiet the crazy thoughts, the internal narratives in our mind and just convince us that we are loved. So Father, as we, as we look at this book each day, as we hear this book each week on Sundays, I pray that we would hear the tone of your loving voice and that we would know that we are accepted, that we are adored, that we are cherished by you, Father. So we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for showing us through him that we are forgiven, that we are accepted, that we are loved. We pray these things in Jesus' name.